Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. Honestly, you don't want to be taking generic legal advice from a YouTube channel or podcast in any event. On with the show. Good afternoon and welcome to another Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're going to dive once again into the continuing broiling battle between the Epic Game Store and Valve's Steam service. Obviously, the primary source of video game sales in the PC market for the past however long, decade or more. Uh, and one of the things that has been brought up to me in the comments to those videos that I have done on the Epic Game Store and the change in the economics uh, and the model that developers are looking at in selling their PC games is the notion of Steam keys and the fact that there exists a number of markets, a number of stores, a number of resellers that do resell Steam keys right now and that those need to be taken into account when talking about the 70-30 split versus the 88-12 split because developers can sell their keys for less or they can sell them on stores that take a lower split than Valve is asking for. And I think it's an interesting question. So I dove into this a little bit. I wasn't quite sure how the key resale marketplace worked under Steam. And I found what I think is a pretty good example of how their language is used to tell developers what they can do with Steam keys, how they can sell them. And I looked at some of the stores and how they describe what it is that they're selling. So without further ado, I want to talk about some of the comments I received, and one of the best uh, ways to show that is with a tweet that I received, uh, which I think really highlights the point here. Uh, it's from uh, Louis Proctor, and he says, Hoglaw, so the comparison of 12% versus 30% isn't the full picture. Since devs are free to sell Steam keys on many other stores, Valve's cut on aggregate is way less than 30% when account for Steam keys sold outside of Steam. And I said, well, I agree that's interesting, but I'd want to see the contract that allows them to do that. My guess is that creation of such keys is still at the largesse of Steam and Valve, so it doesn't really change the calculus of trying to drive the storefront share down. And then Louis Proctor responds, it is significant, and it's notable that Epic have not at all committed to matching this offer. Following the Epic news, Metro Exodus got pulled from other digital retailers, those sites that were essentially remarketing the Steam keys, those keys that would have been available uh, from Steam for those games being sold on Steam. And I thought that was very interesting. So I said, okay, I'll take a look at it. I'll look into it. And so one of the things that uh, another uh, individual pointed out to me was this website called, uh, is there any deal? And so I took a look at this because I do think it highlights the issue that these people have brought up. This is a website that essentially aggregates a bunch of different resellers, a bunch of different places where Steam keys are sold. And it tells you what the current price is for them. And it's not always the case that Steam is the best. In fact, it kind of rotates around. So if we just pick out one, uh, like uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which was my game of the year last year, we can see we pull that menu up and it shows that uh, the store Green Man Gaming has it for 27. You play in Steam and Amazon and others have it for 29. So there is a, a small cut at Green Man Gaming. 
Uh, and a number of other places really haven't adjusted their price and are selling it for full price. Gamersgate, GameStop, etc. And this site does that. It shows all of those different prices. And you can see that there are different places outside of Steam and outside of Uplay to buy these things at different prices. Uh, I also looked at, uh, I believe earlier, I looked at the um, uh, Civilization VI Gathering Storm expansion pack that's going to come out soon. And you can see here an even higher spread of kind of prices. You see the Steam price right here for the baseline $40 price. And then you see a bunch of Games Planet entries for between $39 and $38. You see a site called Games Belay, which is at $37.95. You see a bunch of different prices here. And they are available. And one of the things that I thought was interesting about this is I had remembered some of the articles that I had read in kind of 2014, 15, and 16 about codes being uh, pulled off of other nations' websites or paid for with stolen credit cards. There was a big deal where Ubisoft wound up canceling a bunch of codes where the customers had properly paid for them from a kind of gray market, black market website, but they were originally purchased with stolen credit cards and they tried to cancel them. I think they ultimately rescinded that action, but it became a big brouhaha and it was certainly in kind of the public eye when it happened. And so I do think a lot of these places have kind of a bad reputation, uh, but it's not entirely deserved. And that's, that's, that's one of the points I really want to make in this uh, video is that the, the, Stores that are selling keys directly from publishers that Steam does allow are in fact just selling them at different rates and at different sales periods than Steam does. And they do represent potentially good options for both the publisher and for the customer uh, to save a little bit of money or save a little bit off of uh, Valve's Steam cut. It becomes a little bit difficult when you have these kind of long lists of stores to really kind of suss out who's legitimate, who's not. Obviously Steam is fine, Uplay is fine. Uh, Humble Store appears to be fine. Uh, and the other places, but you do have to kind of do your homework. You have to do your research to figure out uh, exactly who is uh, legitimate, who is getting their uh, keys directly from the publisher. One of the things I found, uh, just looking at a bunch of these different stores, is you look at the About Us page for Games Belay here. It says, who are we? We are an e-commerce store with customers in 193 countries, uh, uh, which offers millions of gamers a wide catalog of multi-platform digital games at the best prices. And then the question, are you authorized? Are you legit? Where are the keys coming from? All of our digital products come directly from the publishers. We do not support gray market and code stripping practices. A great portion of the payments will go to the publishers with us. You never have to use a VPN to activate your game. You never have to convince Steam that you live in Russia or that you live in somewhere else to use the VPN. And I do think that suggests a certain amount of above boardness that you might not otherwise see. I also, while looking at this video and researching the topic, uh, found that there were a number of publishers, Ubisoft, some others, uh, that list out uh, what they call their official authorized digital retailers or resellers or things of that nature where they say, hey, these people are legitimate uh, and you can buy from them and, and feel okay about it. And I also uh, was led from another viewer of one of my videos to a, uh, a very interesting entry on a Reset Era forum which talks about this same issue and talks about it by virtue of looking at whether or not the reviewers purchase their games on Steam or not. So you can see here, there are a number of games that this person looked at. Dragon Ball Fighter Z has 68% reviews from Steam and 31% from other. The brand new Resident Evil 2 Remake has 52% from Steam and 47% from other. Shadow of the Tomb Raider has 65% from Steam, 35% from other, and so forth and so on. And the premise was very similar to the one uh, that Louis Proctor was making, which is, hey, 7030 is what Steam gets, but they also have this program that essentially allows you to take a Steam key, 
give it to someone else, sell it through someone else, and Steam is still going to offer that back-end support, whatever the uh, the electronics and all the content delivery systems that Epic has called out is only costing 4 or 5% of the overall value. They're going to give that essentially to uh, these other folks for free. They, they didn't get a cut from sales that were issued from free Steam keys to another store, but they are going to continue to provide their content delivery services because it's still useful to them to have all these eyeballs on their store, to have them working through their app and so it essentially acts as a kind of marketing. And I think that is good. And I think that's worth pointing out. And certainly this math is interesting. I, I don't think it's, it's exact here. Um, certainly, I'm not sure whether people that buy games uh, for cheap in a, uh, say, a humble package uh, are going to be quite as likely to review a game as someone that buys it for full price on Steam. So I do think there are some confounding characteristics with a study like this. But it certainly goes to show that a non-insubstantial number of users of Steam games uh, are not purchasing those games directly through Steam. So I think it's entirely justified to say, hey, 70-30 might not be completely accurate uh, for what Steam is getting for all of the games it services, although it certainly is getting 70-30 for the games that it sells directly. Uh, And it is also the case, having looked at the is there any deal for a couple of um, Epic Game Store releases, and I've got one right here for uh, Hades, um, that they're just not available anywhere else but the Epic Game Store. I looked at Hades, I looked at Ashen. Epic Game Store is not presently set up to have the same kind of program that Steam has that allows these keys uh, to go out the door. And so I think it is a worthwhile thing to either criticize Epic on or ask them whether or not this is a deliberate philosophy that they're trying to espouse, that there are perhaps publishers or developers that don't like this going out the door, or don't like having to enter into a whole bunch of different contracts with different sites uh, in order to kind of maximize their returns. And they sales pitch to these publishers and developers was, hey, we're going to give you whatever deal you could have gotten from the off, from doing all these different contracts. We're going to do it with just our contract because you're going to get 88% or you're even going to get a back-end bump if you use the, the Unreal license and the Unreal Engine. So I think that could potentially be part of their sales pitch. I also think it could potentially be the fact that I think it's clear now that Epic Game Store launched while they thought the iron was hot. They launched when Valve came out with their November statement that they really weren't going to change their split for most uh, sellers of video games on their service. And because of that, because Epic kind of leaped to the fore and jumped in with with both feet, uh, I think we are seeing that it wasn't quite ready for primetime necessarily, that they are still adding things. I just saw an announcement, I believe it was yesterday, that talks about them really adding some more regional pricing mechanisms that people had asked for so that people weren't uh, accidentally paying more than they should have for regional price mechanisms and things of that nature. And so I think we will see throughout 2019 that the Epic Game Store is still figuring out what its driving philosophy is going to be, whether that is going to be kind of a simple and clean and limited functionality so that you can get into your game and get out and not have all the stuff that Steam has going on with it and and potentially sell the games for lower prices on kind of a we have less uh, less bloat uh, type philosophy or whether it's essentially, hey, we wanted to get out there. We wanted to jump into the race as soon as possible with all that Fortnite money, but we are going to be adding more and more things and maybe that will include some kind of program to let keys go out the door. I think it's too early to say on that score. But it certainly is the case right now, and I thank these people that commented on my videos, that talked to me on Twitter, uh, that uh, that comment on my, my blog posts and otherwise for pointing this out, that this is something that does change the metrics, does change the economics between just a flat 70-30 and a, and a flat 88-12 because Valve is getting cut out of these 
potentially significant portions of the sales of these games. You saw Resident Evil 2 in that in that reset era review essentially had it as almost a 50-50 split. So Valve is essentially servicing a bunch of those games, a bunch of those copies of Resident Evil 2 without seeing a dime directly from the sales of those products. Now, how does this program work, which is really where the virtual legality comes in and where I become interested about what Steam's doing and why, if they are allowing this, why any developers or publishers are really uh, even interested in going over to the Epic Game Store if you could just take uh, whatever percentage you want and leave Steam out. Obviously, we're not seeing developers take all their keys and sell them on a different store and then have Steam service their game. That's just not something that's happening, which makes sense. It would be silly for Valve and Steam to allow that. And so there had to be some kind of metric, some kind of guidelines, some rules and regulations that talk about this program. And as expected, there are. So let's take a look at those. I was able to find this document under a website called partner.steamgames.com, and it shows as Steamworks documentation. Now, as a disclaimer, this is not tied to anything that I certainly, as a non-video game developer, had to enter into, any contract that is forward-facing, but it has every indicia of being that type of contract, those kinds of terms and conditions that one would agree to when they enter into a publisher or developer agreement. So, the disclaimer is we have no necessary, uh, no necessary reason to believe this is fully accurate, but we also don't have any reason to believe it's not accurate. And it certainly contains the kinds of terms, the kinds of guidelines that I would have expected to see in a program like this. So I think for purposes of this video, which is, again, for education and entertainment purposes, is not legal advice, for purposes of this video, I think we can take this as the guidelines that govern the program for Steam Keys. And I think it's enlightening, and I think it's interesting to look at and to see the way what I would call a kind of soft contractual right uh, exists and why even when you have these rights, it's often to your benefit if you are a publisher or if you are a developer that is eyeballing the Epic Game Store and potentially jumping over, why it would still potentially make sense, even though you do have these rights, you can sell your, your Steam keys elsewhere, you can cut Steam and Valve out of the 70-30 split. So let's talk about the language here. The overview says, Steam keys are meant to be a convenient tool for game developers to sell their game on other stores and at retail which is fantastic. That's exactly what we were talking about. They identify Steam Keys as a thing here, which was designed to help developers sell their games on other stores, not just Steam. It says Steam Keys are free and can be activated by customers on Steam to grant a license to a product. It's just a very simple kind of software bits and bytes that allow you to access a Steam game to get the license rights to that Steam game. It says, Valve provides the same free bandwidth and services to customers activating a Steam key that it provides to customers buying a license on Steam, buying directly from Valve. We ask you to treat Steam customers no worse than customers buying Steam keys outside of Steam. Now that's loaded as it, as it stands, but there's going to be more language on this. The, one of the things that comes up in this language and that jumped out to me is when they say, we ask... That's an interesting kind of statement. That's not a legal obligation. It's not you shall or you must treat Steam customers. It's we ask. And you'll see a lot of that language here. And it's language that I usually associate with uh, regulatory bodies. If you saw my video earlier this week, you saw I went over some of the FTC guidelines on advertiser standards for people that receive perks in respect to products. And one of the reasons those documents are framed as guidelines is because those bodies uh, the FTC, the SEC, the IRS, whoever, likes to maintain the ability 
to potentially punish someone, but to not have to punish someone in order to maintain a precedent if the facts and circumstances don't warrant it. So you see a lot of guideline language here. You see, we ask you to treat Steam customers no worse than customers buying Steam keys outside of Steam. And we don't really give definition to treat. We talk about prices a little bit later. We talk about access a little bit later. But we basically are just trying to establish kind of a thesis, a philosophy. Your Steam customers should be the same as your non-Steam customers. This goes on to say, while there is no fee to generate keys on Steam, we ask that partners use the service judiciously. And that's a word that doesn't have any specific legal meaning whatsoever. It essentially means we ask that you not abuse the system. We ask that you treat things fairly. Uh, It can be interpreted here to say, we ask that you not just make Steam keys, sell them on a different store and not sell any through Steam or otherwise. Um, And so we have here as kind of the overview of the Steam key guidelines, a kind of soft right. You're going to have the right to make keys. You're going to have the right to sell them on other stores. But we ask that you not abuse it. We ask that you use it judiciously. And so you've kind of set up this situation where, okay, what if I don't use it judiciously? Obviously, you're the only ones that are kind of deciding what judicious usage means. What happens if I cross that line? And that's kind of a vague area where certainly big publishers, your Ubisofts, your Electronic Arts, your Activision Blizzards of the world are not going to necessarily be comfortable. Because when we look at a contract, when we look at things from a legal standpoint, whenever you have this kind of gray area, whenever you have this ambiguity, you're giving power to one or the other parties. And in this case, when they say, we ask that you use it judiciously, we ask that you treat Steam customers no worse, you are giving the power to Valve to determine whether or not you have violated either of these standards. And when we look further in these guidelines, you're going to see that Valve has and reserves the right to essentially cut off the whole process. Uh, And so you have to essentially tiptoe around what you're doing. uh, And if Valve tells you not to do it, you essentially have to stop. The types of keys. Uh, There's standard, uh, release override, and dev comp. Uh, The the one we're going to talk about is standard. These keys are appropriate for retail boxes or sales on other sites. Those are essentially the, here, buy this one product, get this Steam key activated on Steam kind of things that we saw when we looked at the other sites. And is kind of the standard approach uh, to dealing with Steam. Um, And then we go further on with the rules and guidelines. You should use keys to sell your game on other stores in a similar way to how you sell your game on Steam. It is important that you don't give Steam customers a worse deal. Again, the same kind of you will use them judiciously, you will treat Steam customers the same appears here. You're not supposed to give Steam customers a worse deal. You're not supposed to take these keys and sell your game for $30 if you're only ever selling it for $60 on Steam. And so the savings to customers from a kind of broad aggregate level, when we have a conversation with uh, Louis Proctor or the guy on Reset Era about whether or not customers are benefiting uh, from this kind of approach, the answer should be, if the guidelines were being followed entirely properly, No, it should be relatively ambivalent from the customer side of things as to whether or not this program exists because the guidelines say that a developer and publisher will only kind of treat everybody the same. So it shouldn't matter to a customer whether they're getting something on Steam or whether they're getting something on Game Belay or Gamers Gate or uh, elsewhere because they're supposed to be treated the same. Now, the timing can differ, uh, as we see in the next point. It's okay to run a discount on different stores 
at different times as long as you plan to give a comparable offer to Steam customers within a reasonable amount of time. So again, we would expect to see what we saw on the uh, on the is there any deal website showing different prices for different stores on the premise that the publisher is essentially rotating through stores uh, and doing the same kind of sale uh, to different places. I strongly suspect that that isn't entirely the case and that there probably isn't a one-for-one, dollar-for-dollar match as between Steam and these various other stores, especially if Steam's taking 30% and Store X is taking 10% or something along those lines. A lot of the times I suspect that the business people will try to walk the line and, and give a little bit better deal uh, to those stores that are taking a lesser cut, but they have to be careful because Valve and Steam have essentially reserved the right to judge whether somebody is using this program fairly. Uh, as we see uh, in uh, the next point, uh, or the point right after that, we reserve the right to deny requests for keys or revoke key requesting privileges for partners that are abusing them or disadvantaging Steam customers. Uh, and again, this is entirely within uh, Steam and Valve's determination. These aren't legal terms. These aren't quantifiable terms. These aren't, uh, if you on the aggregate have 5% or more less of a purchase price outside of Steam, then you're in trouble. This is abusing the program and disadvantaging Steam customers. And so what that means is anybody's guess in any particular case, uh, we might call this from a government perspective or working with government agencies, a facts and circumstances type test. Steam and Valve will know it when they see it when they want to determine that you're abusing the system or that you're disadvantaging Steam customers. But the end result is it means that anybody that's using this program to try to make more money uh, is, on the one hand, potentially disadvantaging Steam and their customers in a way that could cost them the use of the program, uh, and on the other, not quite sure the full extent of what their rights are. Uh, said another way, when you sign up with the Epic Game Store, Without this program in place, you know for a fact that you're getting 88% of your revenues that are received from the Epic Game Store. Uh, and you might not have this right, and you might have been able to make more money around the margins, but it's very clear cut. A dollar comes in, you get 88 cents. It's not a matter of signing up a bunch of other contracts, of having the, the additional logistical burden of essentially tracking these companies, making sure they're good partners, potentially auditing their financials if something doesn't look right, et cetera, et cetera. You're dealing with one contract partner. And while it might not seem like it from the third-party perspective, the customer's perspective, there is value from a company side in just dealing with one vendor if you can get a comparable amount of money. So I think that might be one of the reasons you're seeing kind of uptake of at least consideration of the Epic Game Store and putting your games over there. Um, but it's also this notion that this could go away at any time. Uh, and so if Steam just decides that they're angry at you or decides that it doesn't like the way you're doing business or perhaps even punishing you for potentially taking one of your games to the Epic Game Store, which in and of itself disadvantages Steam customers in a specific way, although I don't think they would use it for the metros of the world. It seems like it's a plausible thing that they could do if they were so inclined uh, with Deep Silver and 4A, etc. And you get put in this position where Steam has all this power, and they haven't used it. Uh, they haven't really, as far as I know, I haven't really seen any press clippings or any articles where Steam itself has abused its right to take away this access to this program from people. And I think it's been to Steam's advantage for some time. I don't know when this went into place. I haven't really followed this. Uh, I buy all of my PC games really direct from the various developers or publishers in their various stores. 
Uh, but it strikes me that if there was downward pressure on 7030, and it certainly seems like that would have been building before Epic just came out guns a-blazing in December of last year, if there was this pressure, this was a good program to essentially act as an outlet. Uh, that those people that were really looking for a lower price, those publishers that really wanted a better deal, that didn't quite want a full 70-30 cut, were going out to these other sites. And those people that were most uh, focused on price, focused on the bottom line in that way, were able to find deals that were more to their liking, while still the majority of folks were, were buying directly through Steam. Because the one thing that Reset Era thing did show was that uh, even if those percentages are very high in the folks that aren't buying on Steam, they are definitely very high in the folks that are buying on Steam and always a majority. I don't think there was a single game on that list where a majority of purchasers weren't buying through Steam. So Steam is still getting its 70-30 in the majority of cases of the games that it services on its system. Uh, but it is absolutely right, and I don't want to discount the fact that it's not a full 70-30 for Steam, that they have been using this as essentially an outlet uh, for some of those folks that were maybe uh, feeling the most aggrieved by the 70-30. And to be frank, if you're a big enough publisher and if you've got the ability to kind of deal with all these different stores and these different keys, uh, then you should have been doing it just to kind of meet your own fiduciary obligations because there was this money out there and it was essentially free as long as Steam didn't decide all of a sudden that you were abusing the system or disadvantaging uh, their customers. Uh, so that's really my thoughts on this. I think it's very, very interesting. And I do think it's worth pointing out that Epic Game Store doesn't do this. Uh, because I do think uh, on a customer side of things, especially if the Epic Game Store doesn't change its pricing uh, to kind of reflect a better deal that the publishers are getting, if, if the publishers essentially don't split a portion of that 18% with customers, then I do think it's fair to come onto my Twitter, to come onto my videos and comments and say, hey, from a customer side of things, there were places that you could get a better deal than the $60 video game directly from Steam. And to the extent Epic Game Store wins the fight, and that goes away, customers could potentially be, be harmed, even if publishers are making more money. My tendency is to think that the publishers are going to split that, that you are going to see a reduction in, in prices uh, to, to split that 18%, because I do think it is to their advantage to get that 88% essentially locked in, uh, which is the difference between kind of the Steam uh, light rights and the Epic kind of hard contractual rights. Uh, and I think there is advantage for the developers to get that locked in. I think it's certainly worthwhile to have competitors in the space. Obviously, if you follow my videos, if you follow my channel, you know I am generally in favor of competition on this score. And I'm not in favor necessarily of Steam and Valve losing the competition. I just think it's useful to have uh, folks have to react to competitors in the space. And I think that Steam and Valve can do a number of things to essentially react uh, and give publishers and developers and customers uh, a better deal even than what they're already getting. And I think more people in the space... Uh, essentially trying to eat Steam and Valve's lunch is a good thing uh, for us eventually. I will say, however, that in a period of transition, like it appears 2019 is going to be, uh, that can have some people uh, that don't get advantaged by the competitive process. Uh, and those include folks that just wanted to play their now Epic exclusives on Steam and work through that launcher. And I do feel for them. And I think that that's not great. Uh, but I think any period of change is going to have that situation. And I do think long run, uh, this is ultimately a good thing. But if you disagree, please comment. Please give me feedback. I think it's always a wonderful conversation to have. I very much appreciate 
those people that do jump on and disagree with me as long as it's respectful, uh, because I think respectful disagreement is the spice of life. And I think learning is fun and it's always interesting to get into those conversations. I loved looking at this topic and I hope you found it enjoyable as well. If you like this video, please do like, please subscribe to my channel. I'm talking about this stuff, video games, information technology, software, digital, and really everything else legal or business that catches my eye on a given day. Very, very often. I'm doing these videos uh, quite often every week. Uh, and I uh, very much appreciate you watching this video or if you're listening, listening to it on a podcast. And I will catch you next time. Thanks for watching.